0: Hello and welcome to the World Economic Forum's podcast series, Cities of Tomorrow. My name is Alice Charles and I lead the World Economic Forum's Global Future Council on Cities and Urbanization. In this podcast series, we'll explore the different challenges that cities around the world are facing in order to become smart and sustainable. In this seventh episode, I will be talking to Maurizio Rodas, the former mayor of the municipality of Quito in Ecuador and a member of the World Economic Forum Global Future Council on Cities and Urbanization.
1: Cities are important because cities are the places where the world's most pressing issues will be defined. When you think, for example, about climate change, when you think about migration, when you think about sustainable development, when you think about housing, when you think about pollution, when you think about quality of life, uh, most of those uh, issues will be defined in cities. Are already being defined in cities, and will be even more so in the future, uh, as the urbanization process in the world will keep on growing. So, uh, cities have increasingly become uh, became a, a, a major actor in the in the world arena, and and I think that there's also raising awareness on the importance of cities to solve some of those world's most pressing issues. However, I think the challenge remains regarding how to deliver cities with the necessary tools to actually implement the policies they need to become a major and effective actor to solve those world's most pressing issues. I think that the new international agendas that have been approved in the past few years, the SDGs, the Paris Agreement, the Sendai Framework, Mm -hmm. the new urban agenda, bestow cities with new and very important responsibilities, Mm -hmm. but do not address properly how to actually implement those responsibilities in an effective way. I think that's the pending task.
0: So you're a mayor of, of Quito. So, could I ask you, in the city of Quito, what are the key challenges that your, your city faces?
1: Well, like most cities in the world, uh, I would say that the two biggest challenges are climate change and migration. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in the case of climate change, uh, of course, we have uh, an important amount of, of, of emissions. Uh, six, 56% of our emissions are... Uh, come from our mobility system. And that's why we have focused so much on that during the past few years in the municipality. That's why we decided to to build the metro, the first metro line in Quito and in, in Ecuador. Uh, that will be uh, a, an important tool, not enough, but an important step forward. Uh, The metro will become the main axis of the integrated uh, public transportation system, which is also comprised by five BRT corridors that have been um, consolidated during the the past few years. Um, So so we're, we're trying to address that going to the main source of emissions, which is mobility. Besides that, we are also working in conservancy of rural areas in the city, waste management, and water sanitation mainly, which are the other important sources of of, of emissions in in Quito. Now, regarding migration, uh, Quito, as most of uh, Latin American capital cities, have experienced a huge Venezuela migrations migration in the past few years. Of course, that means um, you know having to deliver. Uh, public services to more and more people Uh, that poses also a challenge in terms of, for example, informal economic activity Mm -hmm. on on the part of the migrants. And uh, we have approached this issue, first of all, under a a very strict human rights vision. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the way to go. But sometimes, even if you have that kind of vision, the capacity of of a municipality is being being surpassed by the by the by the load that that uh, implies. To, to be able to respond to social needs from from migrants. Of course, we're trying to do as much as we can, but unfortunately we have not seen a, an appropriate response from national governments as they should.
0: Interesting. So you touched upon already uh, the, the SDGs, the Paris Agreement, the New Urban Agenda, the Sendai Agreement, um, and, and of course those are agreements all reached with nation states, um, but if they are to be implemented, they will be implemented in in cities. So how do you see that relationship between national government and city government? How would you envisage it to to implement these these agreements in cities?
1: I think we have to acknowledge the fact that uh, there has been some progress in terms of of raising the voice of cities and and that voice being heard Mm -hmm. by international institutions like for example the United Nations. Uh, and, I, and I witnessed that when we were preparing the, the, the Habitat 3 conference, which took place in Quito. Um, we, we established what, what was called the Global Task Force with different networks of cities and other organizations. And through that platform, uh, local authorities were able to participate in the construction of the new urban agenda. Mm-hmm. This was the first time that uh, such participation actually took place, which is kind of paradoxical because, you know, it's kind of weird to think that in the past, uh, there were uh, sustainable urban development agendas that were built without the voice of the actual people who run those settlements, yes. <laughs> who are the mayors. Yes. Uh, so it was kind of absorbed. Fortunately, that has, that has changed, but that has started to change. I think we still have a long way to go in order to, to actually having mayors really taken seriously in terms of, of the construction of international agendas. But once again, I think we have made some some progress and that, that should be acknowledged. Now, um, I think we have to keep on pushing forward uh, that kind of, of vision. I think that uh, s- local authorities need to have a seat at the global table yeah. uh, in an institutionalized way yeah. under the UN system. And I think um, during Habitat 3 a group of mayors uh, delivered, and I, I, I actually delivered on behalf of this group of mayors, a proposal to have a seat at a global table for local authorities to then UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we need to, to keep on pushing uh, for that proposal to be uh, implemented. Now, um, I think that we also need to, to keep on pursuing governments, national governments, to understand that Without an active and starring role from cities, it will be impossible for nations to meet their NDCs and their Paris Agreement goals. Uh, Cities are the places where most emissions take place, so without an active and effective role from cities, it will be impossible for for, for countries to meet the Paris uh, Agreement, and in order to do so, cities need a number of resources. First of all, they need clear regulatory frameworks in mm-hmm. terms of legal competences, what they can do and what they cannot do. Yeah. And that have to be clarified in many cases. At least in Latin America, I can certainly tell you that that's the case. Second, I think that we need to redesign the international financial uh, architecture in order to channel the necessary resources for cities to implement a comprehensive and effective climate change agenda. Mm-hmm. That's not happening right now. Um, Unfortunately, very often politics get on the way, for example, when cities need to get a national guarantee to access multilateral funding. Mm -hmm. And it is is scary to think that an issue as serious as climate change would depend on local politics. That's unresponsible. So we should definitely uh, advocate for a comprehensive reform at the international level in order to channel more resources into cities without having to go through the national guarantee requisite, which many times is being politically used. Mm -hmm. The other thing is I think we have to improve uh, regulatory frameworks regarding public-private partnerships. In Latin America, in Asia, in Africa, those regulatory frameworks are not working well. Yeah. They are extremely, extremely confusing, they are extremely hard to implement, and they are preventing private investment to, from coming into cities. Mm-hmm. So these are some of the ideas of the things that I, I need. We I think we have to keep on pushing in order to, on the first hand, uh, provide cities with the role they deserve mm-hmm. uh, to some extent. to to solve some of the world's most pressing issues and on the other, to provide cities with the necessary uh, tools in order to achieve the goals of the new urban agenda and the other international uh, instruments that have been approved during the past few years.
0: If we think about um, the smart cities movement, can I ask you what role you see innovation and technology playing in making cities smart and sustainable?
1: A very important one. And once again, in order to, to keep on pushing for innovation... We need to establish broad and effective partnerships: public sector, private sector, the academia, civil society, under a clear set of rules mm-hmm. that sometimes uh, uh, we lack. Uh, so I need, I need, I need to have. We should, I think, we should strengthen the vertical integration scheme, not only between different levels of government, but also with other actors in society, in order to keep on pushing for innovation. That's one thing. The other is. I think we, we, we should test what, re- what really works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we have to understand that technology and innovation is not an end, but a mean. Yeah. It is a mean. So it's not a matter of having the most sophisticated, high-tech solution for a problem. You can have the same solution in a much simpler way and probably much cheaper. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the that's that's other thing that I, I think should be taken into account. Local government. The local governments, considering the limited resources they have, they should have as a tra- transversal access to everything they do, the cost-benefit criteria, mm-hmm. the cost-benefit criteria. That, that's a kind of analysis that, that not necessarily happened all the time at the public sector, yeah. but it's something that we definitely should apply worldwide at the local level.
0: The Smart Cities movement, whilst it's been around for you know more than, than 10 years, in reality what we've seen is a, a lot of projects being rolled out at the pilot stage, but the majority are, are failing to get beyond the pilot stage. So what do you think needs to happen from a governance point of view and a financing point of view to change that and, and to get these solutions uh, scaled?
1: To strengthen uh, multi-sector partnerships. It will be very, very hard for the public sector to, to do this alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the fact of, of having the participation of different sectors provide different inputs and, and perspectives and that could enrich the process towards scalability that's one thing the other thing that I have found very useful is benchmarking and 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 the connection between cities and mayors to to talk about best practices and replicate them I have done that in Quito yeah and 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 just like I have done that uh, there are some practices that we delivered in Quito that have been replic- replicated in other cities yeah. so I think that's the positive dynamic that a network of cities can have yeah. and and unfortunately um, not All mayors take advantage of that. And I think that's something that should be disseminated and encouraged to do.
0: So you're coming to the end of your five-year term as mayor. And bearing all that in mind, what lessons have you learned that you would like to pass on to other mayors
1: uh, around the world? Uh, First, to listen to what what has been successful elsewhere. Uh, That has saved me a lot of time with different programs that we have implemented in a successful way, mm-hmm. right? So it's not a matter of, of discovering uh, nothing new. It's, it's a matter of being open and willing to listen mm-hmm. and to learn from others, right? The second thing is, is what I also just mentioned, the cost-benefit perspective. Yeah. That, that is extremely important. Whenever I talk to a mayor, I don't ask him what has been his or her most successful initiative. I asked him or her what has been his best cost benefit initiative, which which is it has another angle, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and it's much much easier to replicate, right? I think that you have to be honest with yourself about what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. I, I think you you should you should have a very clear perspective on how to measure success. For me, in public policy you should measure success not considering how much money you are investing or what's the the scope of your initiative, but actually how it is impacting people's lives. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And you cannot lie to yourself. That's, that's, That's the worst thing you can do. Unfortunately, that happens very often in politics because of political reasons. Because of political reasons, many times uh, initiatives that are not as successful as they should are presented as such, mm-hmm. and 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 that's that's the worst thing you can do because you're wasting people's money yeah. instead of you know changing whatever you want you need to change in order for something to be effective and. Sometimes the simpler things are the most effective ones because are the ones that, that everyone can use, that everyone can uh, take advantage of, that are, and that those are the, the most easy, you know, the, the easier to, to replicate, to, to scale and to replicate elsewhere.
0: That was Maurizio Rodas, the Mayor of Quito, and also a member of the World Economic Forum, Global Future Council on Cities and Urbanisation. My name is Alice Charles, and you've been listening to the seventh and final episode of the podcast series, Cities of Tomorrow. Thank you for listening.